that was well done, Henry. Welcome everyone to Southern Grace Church Parramatta for our Easter Sunday celebration. The old Anglican in me wants to cry out, he is risen. And everyone said, he is risen indeed. He's risen indeed. Everyone's on mute, but yeah, that's great. Um, That's what we used to do every Easter Sunday at an Anglican church. I don't know about your background, but that's what I grew up with. And, you know, I don't know. It sounds exciting to me to say he is risen indeed, because that is the reality that we celebrate this morning. Thank you to everyone who's joined us. Um, We have the opportunity this morning to celebrate the second half of the Easter story uh, that on Good Friday, we heard that Jesus died for our sins in our place so that the seriousness of our sin could be taken from us so that we could, the bridge between us and God and his majesty and holiness could be bridged by Jesus taking the wrath for us. And now we come to part two, the glorious resurrection. This morning, the way we're going to do our service is a little bit differently to our normal service. We're actually going to have readings from the scripture, then a brief explanation from me. Then we're going to join in song and we're going to do that three or four times. Uh, But I want us to begin this morning in song, enjoying the incredible reality we have before we jump into all the story. Because Easter is the great celebration of God's grace to us, his kindness to us in Jesus. Easter is exciting because we wake up and there's chocolate and there's bunnies and there's public holidays and there's family celebrations when we're not in isolation and we can actually see other human beings. Normally, Easter is exciting in and of itself, but even greater than that is the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's why Easter is so good. Ephesians chapter two, verse four and five says this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We are here this morning to celebrate the grace that God has given us in Christ's death and his resurrection. So let's begin by singing to him and praising his glorious name. Let's sing. Your life, 
God, we thank you so much that you sent your son into the world to conquer sin, Satan, and death, and darkness, so that we may have life in him. We thank you for your grace, and we ask that this morning you would meet with us right now, O Lord. By the power of your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the story afresh. Open our hearts to love you and enjoy you, and give us strength and courage to live for you with all the days that we have left. 
Please meet with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Henry, for doing all the worship and the music. You're doing such a great job. Before we, you know, before we go into the rest of the story, I wanted to say welcome to everyone um, for coming along. For those of you who are members of our church, you would have received a little special present yesterday. You would have seen a little gift bag made by Maddie and Rebs, a note for the kids from Abigail. We want to bless you as a church. We want you to know that we love you, that we're here for you um, during this season. We hope that the chocolate communicates something of the, the joy that God has for you and something of the love that your pastor has for you. So I hope that that was a blessing to you. Uh, and for those of you who didn't receive one yet, you will get one um, if you're a member or investigating in our church. So thank you so much to Maddie and Rebs and Abby for doing all that hard work um, to make that happen. Well, as I said, we're going to go through the Easter story this morning. And before we can get to the really, you know, exciting moment of Jesus' resurrection, we want to begin by going into the depths of darkness, to the day that Jesus died um, and was buried. And so that's where we're going to begin our story this morning. If you have a Bible, you can open to John chapter 19. And we're going to look at it from a different perspective. We looked at Matthew um, on Good Friday. We're going to look at it now from John's perspective. Up until this point, we're seeing Jesus with his disciples in the upper room. He washes their feet and then feeds them the Last Supper. Then they go into the garden and Jesus prays three times, Father, take this cup from me if it be possible, yet not my will but yours. Then Judas, Jesus' friend and disciple, betrays him. And Jesus is arrested, taken into the courts and is put to trial illegally by the Jewish council and leaders. They accuse him of being a blasphemer, and they sentence him to death. They blindfold him, mock him, spit on him, beat him, and punch him in the face. They take him to Pilate, who, after much you know, trying to get out of it, bows to the pressure of the crowds and delivers Jesus over to be crucified. But not just to be crucified, but first to be scourged and tortured, put in a a purple robe and a crown of thorns. Jesus takes his cross and climbs the hill to Calvary, the place called Golgotha. And there he's crucified. And that's where John picks up the story in chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, that means to fulfill what the Old Testament says, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And in that moment, the son of God died. He continues in verse 31. Since it was the day of preparation, that is for the Passover, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that, that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. 
So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other criminal who'd been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. That's John speaking about himself, saying, I was an eyewitness testimony. I was there. Verse 36. But these things took place that the scriptures might be fulfilled. That uh, not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. Verse 38, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus Christ, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who had earlier come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb which had not yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, Since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. You see, Good Sunday begins here. The Son of God truly was killed. He was murdered on the cross. He was put to death. He didn't just faint and swoon and come back to life later. He was dead. And because he died, our sins died with him for those who put their faith in Christ. But not only was Jesus really dead, he was really buried. He was put into a tomb, a fresh tomb, a rich man's tomb, as Isaiah had predicted. A tomb that was meant for someone else, but immediately became his own. And so Good Friday ends in complete darkness and the lack of hope for the disciples, but we stand on the other side. We know truly what was going on. The prophet Isaiah looked ahead to this day in Isaiah 53, and he says this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised and we esteemed him not. We begin this morning with the death of Jesus Christ for our sins, the man of sorrows who was slain for us. Let's sing in response to the death of Christ and rejoice in that death for our salvation.
Jesus is crucified on the cross and the whole world went dark in that moment. We learn in the other gospels that after they put him in the tomb, the women leave because it's the Sabbath and they don't want to break the Sabbath. That even on this day, they want to honor God and not disobey him. We learn that the disciples are are cooped up in a home and and they're, they're, they're separated, they're distant. They're, they're most likely in grief, in confusion, and in doubt. Could you imagine what it would have been like to have been one of the followers of Jesus, to be the Apostle John, to have been with him from three, for three years, and then in the space of 24 hours, he's arrested, crucified, And the leader that they thought was going to bring God's kingdom to earth is now in a tomb. He's buried. The story's over. The great mission has ended. Except that's not where the story ends. Continue reading with me in Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. It'll be on the screen, but you can... Get it. I'll give you a moment to get it in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. 
This is what happened the day after Jesus died. The next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered together before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, He is risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. You see, Jesus' ministry was not, you know, this accidental thing that was pieced together as he went. It was a deliberate plan, planned from the beginning of creation. And Jesus, as he began his three-year ministry, when he came into the final leg of it, as he set his face towards Jerusalem, Luke says in Luke chapter 9, he gathers his disciples after Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ and he says, but the Son of Man will be betrayed, arrested, beaten, crucified. And after the third day, he will rise again. Over the next coming months, Jesus repeats this three times to the disciples. After three days, I will arise. He predicts his death. He predicts his resurrection. And it must have been known amongst the crowds that Jesus had really thought he was going to be a crucified and risen savior. And so the chief priests and the Sadducees want to get rid of this guy once and for all. And so they make sure the tomb is secure. A Roman guard is set over it, potentially six to ten soldiers who are war man, warriors, ready, trained in battle, given by Pilate, paid for by Pilate to make sure that no riot or no disturbance or no, you know, resurrection happened. And oh, how they failed. Continue reading with me in Matthew 28, verse 1. Matthew 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, so get this, again, just pausing, the the women and the disciples, they still obey God. They wait the full 24 hours. They wait the Sabbath and then the night after before they go to Jesus' tomb and weep over him. Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, you know, the, we think Monday's the first day for them. You know, Sunday was the, the first day after the Sabbath. But really, this isn't just the first day of the week. This is the first day of the new creation. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and, and the other um, Gospels tell us a whole bunch of more other women joined as well. Went to see the tomb. So they're gathering, they're walking. I can't imagine what they're thinking. I don't know how long the walk was, but it's early morning. You can picture the cold, still air. And as they climb the gravelly road, this is what happens. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven 
and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Verse three, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. This is hardly, like it's hard to imagine what this would have been like. Total silence in all the land and suddenly an earthquake, a blinding light, the the stone is moved and then there's an angel whose appearance is like lightning, who is as white as white can be, pure and whiter than snow, is sitting there on top of the stone that was keeping Jesus in death. I don't know how you would have reacted. This is how the guards react. Verse four, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. We learn in the other gospels that eventually they run away because of fear. But the angel, full of grace and mercy, said to the women, do not be afraid for... I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen. Isn't that incredible news? He is not here. He is not in the grave anymore. He has risen. It has truly happened. As he had said, see, even the angel refers back to what Jesus predicted that after three days, he would rise again. It was all planned right from the beginning until now. Come see the place where he lay. He invites the women to come in and actually inspect and investigate they see the the burial clothes, the very expensive linen that was wrapped around him. They would have seen the 30 kilograms of perfume that was left behind, the smell, the fragrance to cover over the stench of death. They would have seen all of that. They stooped low into this cave-like tomb that was cut out of costly you know, labor to house the body of the Lord. The angel invites them to look. You see, Christianity is not a religion which is afraid of evidence, which is not afraid of the truth and facts and data. In fact, Christianity says, check us out. We have it all here. We stand in objective truth and you can verify us or think we're false. It's not just a private revelation. It's not just a mystical thought in someone's head that was written down. It's not just a philosophy. It is history that can be verified or proven false. Come and see where he lay. And if you're not yet a believer this morning, come and see, come investigate. Look at all the facts, look at all the data, try and prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. We as Christians have nothing to be afraid of because the evidence is on our side. Verse seven, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Then we read in verse eight, something incredible happens. 
So they, that is the women, maybe not all of them, potentially Mary Magdalene um, has already left by this point um, because in John's gospel, there's a little bit of a different story. But they departed quickly from the tomb. And notice this, with fear and great joy. Fear and great joy. And ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. <laughs> Jesus has just risen from the grave and he's basically like, hey guys, I'm here. Morning. How's your, how's your sleep? I'm good. I'm resurrected. And notice how they respond. And this ought to be our response to the resurrected Lord Jesus. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. You see, the Bible takes pains to say Jesus was real. They grabbed his physical feet. He's not a vision. He's not a hallucination. He's not a figment of their imagination. He has feet. The resurrected Jesus has feet, feet that had nails in them just 24 to 36 hours ago. Feet that were used to lift the Savior up to take his final breaths and say, it is finished. Those feet, they now grab hold of. And at those feet, they now worship. And at those same feet, we worship as followers of Jesus today. We bow before him in humble adoration. And then Jesus said to them in verse 10, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. It's incredible. These women, the first ones to see Jesus risen from the dead. And they get to worship him. They get the privilege of being the first ones there to worship. What a privilege. What a joy. But then later that evening, Jesus appears finally to the disciples. Let's jump now into Luke chapter 24. Luke 24 verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. Isn't that incredible? Peace. Shalom. You have peace with me. You have peace with God. Though you abandoned me, though you fled from me, though you betrayed me in a sense, peace. That's what Good Friday is all about peace between us and God. And Jesus declares it on resurrection Sunday. Verse 37, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Even the disciples had doubts. And if you're someone that struggles with doubts with the Christian story, you're at one with the disciples. You're not on your own. And many of us struggle with doubts. But Jesus wants us to challenge our doubts and put our faith in him. And he, he gives them again evidence. He says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. 
Again, Jesus points to the marks of his crucifixion. The evidence is still in his flesh. In his flesh are the whole wounds from being crucified for their sins. In his flesh are the marks of his death, the marks of the wrath of God on the Son of God. And he points and says, look, it's really me. I'm really here. And this ain't you tripping. This is the real deal. And to prove it, verse 31, 41, it says, and why they still disbelieved for joy, that means they just couldn't get their head around it, and were marveling. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? (laughs) Greetings and give me a McFillet fish. And they gave him a broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. You see, this is the glorious resurrection story. Appeared to the women, appeared to the disciples, proven with evidence, it is really me. I am alive. And because I'm alive, my wounds have paid for your wounds. Because I'm alive, your death has been defeated. Because I'm alive, you have victory in me. And we now get to share in that same thrill and that same victory. Because when Jesus rose from the grave, death was arrested and we can go free. Everyone, let's stand and sing. Cancel, you cancel my death. 
Gather the kids if they've gone somewhere else. We're going to sing our kids' song now. Everyone stay standing. you got to do the actions. you got to join in. Well, you don't have to, but you can. And it's more fun if you do, I guarantee it. Maybe, maybe if we can turn the slides off for a little bit, we can see all the kids. Oh, yeah. Gathering around. All right, get the kids. We're going to sing Super Saviour. We're going to sing about the, the death crusher the sin smasher jesus christ because he rose from the grave are you ready kids are you excited looking good henry go henry (laughs) so we're gonna first we're gonna learn some actions oh nice one noah there's a few good looking super oh xander i love it all right what we're going to do before we sing, we're going to learn some actions. So this song has three parts. The first part, 
there's one action and it's about um, looking and trying to see Jesus. So the first verse goes, who can save the day? Take our sins away. Rescue us with mighty power. And then the next bit goes, we've got to do super savior arms. Super savior to then the other arm. Savior, mighty Look, 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 look. Comes Jesus. Up, oh, and they're gonna jump up out of the room. Awesome. Now here's the here's the tricky part. The next bit goes like this. It goes, here's a death crusher. And we switch hands. Sin smasher! Here we go. Who's the mighty super savior? Jesus! And then we go fly around the room. It's gonna be awesome. Okay, let's let's sing it together. Jesus is our super savior indeed. Oh. Do we do we need the lyrics or can we just do a gallery view? What do you reckon? Go gallery. Go gallery. I think it, I think the kids know it. Okay. Sorry if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> ready? Okay, here we go. Who can save the day? Who can save the day? Take our sins away. Who can rescue us? With mighty power Ready? Super Savior to the rescue Super Savior mighty to save Look, look, here comes Jesus Up, up, out of the grave Okay, get ready to smash the sin Cause that's what Jesus did He crushed death for us So here we go is the death crusher, death crusher. Sin, smasher. sin smasher is the mighty super savior jesus okay you guys weren't punching your hands hard enough oh. let's do it again is the death crusher is the sin smasher Who's the mighty super savior, Jesus? Super savior to the rescue! Super savior to the Great job, Henry and Alana and the families. We're going to have one last little session on thinking about the resurrection and a little bit of teaching. Um, so if you want to calm down and put your death smashes away and put your sin crushes away and sit quietly um, <laughs> as much as you can. Awesome. So we've heard how Jesus came and lived. We've heard how Jesus was 
crucified on the cross in darkness. We've heard how his tomb, his tomb was sealed. And then we've heard how he busts out of the grave by the power of God through the earthquake and the lightning angel. We've seen him appear to Mary. We've seen him appear to the disciples and prove that he is the resurrected one. So what does that mean for us here in 2020 in isolation lockdown? What does that mean for us when we look into the future, we see potentially loss of job. We see potentially bleakness, illness. We see frustration. We see depression. We see hard things coming. And even if COVID wrapped up today miraculously, still our lives, we cannot guarantee health, wealth, prosperity, or success. So what does the resurrection have to do with us today? Well, the resurrection is not just a neat end to the story. The resurrection is not just the happy ending that the disciples wrote because they were so depressed that Jesus died and they just had to, you know, assuage their feelings by making up a a, a nice fairy tale ending. No, without the resurrection, there is no story. You see, without the resurrection, there is no Jesus. We would have never heard of him, most likely. Without the resurrection, we would have no eternal hope. But with the resurrection, it changes everything. The resurrection changes everything for us, both now and forevermore. Far greater than the change of circumstance, the resurrection gives us spiritual, certain hope amidst a changing and uncertain world. We're going to read what the Apostle Paul, a latecomer to the following of Jesus, said in Romans chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible, this is our last reading for today. This is how Paul, probably 30 years after Jesus was resurrected, summarizes it to the Romans. The Christians who had taken on Christ many miles away from Jerusalem. The message has spread all over the world, even to Rome, the very place where Jesus, you know, the the authority was gone to put Jesus to death. And Paul says in Romans 6, 4, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, that means we died with Christ on the cross. Our sins truly died with Jesus on the cross. Well, if that really happened, then we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So just in the same way that we died with Christ, we will rise with him as well. Verse six, we know that our old self was crucified, sin smashed, death crushed, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, get this, will 
never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. You see, Jesus Christ rose and is risen. He didn't then live on to a ripe old age and die again one day. He is still risen. He is alive today. Death no longer has dominion over him. Verse 10. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you, S.G. Parramatta, must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What does the resurrection have to do with us today? Well, just in the same way that we died with him, we will rise. Because he is risen, we have hope for the future. In fact, we have so many of those things. Because he rose, our sin is paid and dealt with. Because he rose, we are truly set free from our sin and no longer enslaved by it. Because he rose, death no longer has dominion over you. You can declare and look death in the face and say, you have no dominion over me. I do not have to fear you. Because he rose, we are truly alive now. Because he rose, we walk in newness of life now. And because he rose, we will rise with him one day on the final day of resurrection. Yes, we may die here on earth before Jesus comes back, but that will not be the end of your eye. Because he rose, we will physically bodily be resurrected with a real body again one day in a new heaven and a new earth because he rose one day we will live forever and ever and ever with him because he rose we can have real and certain hope now because he rose we can have real and certain hope now. The resurrection is not a vague, positive psychology, happy ending, because we can't deal with death. The resurrection is historical fact, and it is certain hope for our future. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is swallowed up. Death has no longer a sting over us because we have the victory in Jesus. Because he rose, Jesus reigns. Because he rose, Jesus rules now. And because he rose, Jesus will come again and make everything new. Brothers and sisters, he is risen. Brothers and sisters, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen from the grave. He is no longer dead, but he is alive. He is not in that grave anymore. He rules in heaven. That's what Easter Sunday is all about. We will rise with him and we have a certain and future hope. That's why today matters. That's why we need Easter Sunday, not just Good Friday. 
Let us enjoy singing of his glory. Let us move into the presence of his glory. And one day we will join with the myriad of myriads in heaven who sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and honor and blessing. And then Apostle John records this, every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them said to him, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be honor and glory and blessing and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. The one who was crucified on the cross is risen and now he reigns on the throne. And one day, truly, certainly, Really, we will worship him, the resurrected Lamb of God, who will still bear the marks of our sin on his hands and on his feet and on his side. And we will sing glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. And so let us start that song now. And we're going to sing two final songs to close. Let's stand again.
We are risen with Him because He rose. Um, so this is the last song we're going to sing. It's the glorious day. Get the kids back if they're not doing something. Let's all stand and let's really enjoy this last song, celebrating the fact that we have life in His name. Because He uh, took uh, a sin on the cross for us. Because He defeated death. He rose from the grave. We can have life in His name. Uh, let's, let's celebrate that as we sing glorious day. I was buried, I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my sweet till I met you. I was Oh, yes, yeah. 
mercy saved our soul. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old man you Jesus when I Fantastic. I just went and worshipped with the family and Jasper was flossing for the glory of God. It's so good to be able to celebrate and sing what Jesus has done for us. There you go. Done for us. Uh, today is a great day because he is risen. He is risen. That's the great hope of Easter Sunday. I hope that you've been encouraged this morning. I hope that as the scriptures were read, your soul was filled with hope. As you think about your present circumstance, know for certain that you will rise again one day, no matter what happens here, and you will be with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for all eternity, entering into their joy, and your, their joy will be your joy. May you use the rest of this day to honor and glorify God. I don't know what you're doing, but the Spring family, we're having Easter Sunday 
five-hour lamb, which is a great tradition. I recommend you try it. Uh, but I'm going to finish the service by praying. So would you pray with me? Kids, close your eyes, close your hands, close your mouth. And adults, you can do the same. <laughs> and let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much that you rose Jesus from the grave, that you vindicated his death and gave it the great amen by bringing him back, that you accepted his sacrifice, that you have taken our sin and buried it in the grave, and that you have taken our dead bodies and given us life because of your mercy and grace. You are infinitely kind infinitely merciful and infinitely good and we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us this easter lord would you help us to live in that resurrection power would we walk in the newness of life would we walk putting sin to death and living righteous and holy lives in the fear and joy of you and lord would you use us to make disciples so that more and more people can join that multitude on the last day. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm going to go join the family in a moment. You guys can stay on as long as you like. Do whatever you need to do and enjoy the chocolate. Keep chatting. You can turn yourselves off mute and try and have one of those awkward conversations with 50,000 other people. Um, but thank you very much for joining with us. We'll be back on Zoom next Sunday at 10 a.m.